Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast for the foreign policy and global development communities and anyone who wants a deeper understanding of what is driving events in the world today. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. Enjoy the show. Turkey is in the midst of a currency crisis. The lira hit a new record low in December, trading at about 15.5 lira to the U.S. dollar. This compares to a year ago when the rate was about 7.5 lira to the dollar. In other words, the value of the currency has declined by about 50% in just one year. Meanwhile, inflation is soaring at a current rate of more than 20%. Typically, in situations like this, economists would recommend increasing interest rates. But Turkey's President Erdogan is doing the exact opposite and is seeking lower interest rates. On the line with me to explain the domestic and international implications of Turkey's tanking lira is Sibel Okte. She is an associate professor and chair of the political science department at the University of Illinois Springfield and a non-resident senior fellow of public opinion and foreign policy at the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. As in many recent episodes, we recorded our conversation live on Twitter Spaces. We kick off discussing why the lira is faring so badly right now before having a broader conversation about the domestic, political, and international implications of this currency crisis. And now here is my conversation with Professor Sibel Okte. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. The lira has lost about 45 to 50% of its value against the U.S. dollar just this year, uh, making it basically the worst performing of all emerging market currencies. Uh, and in just November alone, last month, it lost about 30% of its value against the dollar. So it's really plummeting fast and substantially. Um, these days, you know, as we speak, the lira is getting weaker by about a lira a day, which is unheard of. Uh, against against the dollar or the the, the pound sterling or the euro, um, so it's uh, it's it's performing really really bad. So the the question obviously is is why. Short answer, you know, too long didn't listen. Answer of it all is you know central bank continues to slash interest rates since September of this year. Um, and, you know, if, if, if some of these listeners, our listeners would want to hear a sort of a short macro crash course, you know, when interest rates are low, money becomes cheaper to get. It's, it's now cheaper to borrow, uh, which means its supply in the market increases and therefore it becomes less valuable compared to other currencies circulating in the market. And, and um, that leads to the weakening of the currency. It's getting cheaper and cheaper. 
with every rate slash, um, this chain reaction basically repeats. And that basically is where we're at now in, in you know, when we look at Turkey. Uh, the central bank is trying to inject dollar into the market to stop the decline. But of course, the reserve is a limited resource. And so um, uh, the, the central bank itself is getting closer to that point now where there won't be enough reserves we don't know for how long this injection can take place or at these levels. And at some point, this is going to be the point of no return. So um, uh, I should note that the central bank, an institution that is should be independent from government pressure, is under immense pressure by Erdogan, as you've also alluded to in your opening remarks. Um, Erdogan has, as the, the president of the country, has the authority to sack central bank governor or install new ones. And, and he did that basically three or four times in the last two years alone. And uh, the last uh, governor of the bank, Naji Abal, served for only about four months. Uh, and, and he was removed, removed, removed shortly after he increased the interest rate. So, so basically you have like the economist, the guy who you know is in charge of stabilizing the Turkish economy, doing what is conventional uh, when in situations like this to raise interest rates. But this contravened uh, what President Erdogan thought was like the politically expeditious thing to do. So he fired right. That's basically what he did, because as you've also said, he is um, very outspoken against high interest rates. And, and from his perspective, he, me- he thinks low interest rates mean greater economic activity and therefore economic growth. And he thinks that's exactly what Turkey needs. You know, when it's easier to borrow money at these low rates, which is right now at about 14 percent, they with with, you know, with these low interest rates, you he expects people, you know, ordinary people, men on the street to spend more on consumer goods. Uh, And he also expects entrepreneurs or other businesses to take more loans at cheaper borrowing costs to grow their businesses, export goods because now the goods are cheaper. Um, and so on and so forth. So he thinks that, you know, the, the lower the interest rate, the better for economic growth. Um, and to be sure, there is some truth to this line of argument, um, both in terms of economic theory, but also in terms of the, the numbers that are coming out. Um, Turkey's economy is growing. So in the in the third quarter, it grew about 7%. And the 7%, to put that in context, is about 2007, 2008 levels of growth. That's when the AKP was doing stellar in terms of public opinion, electoral results, and all that. And the AKP is Erdogan's party for those right. who are Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's um, it's just the Sun Development Party, but the abbreviation is in Turkey. So, so, um, so it's known as the AKP. Um, but the problem is, you know, yes, there is economic growth, but the, the growth is not really reflected on people's um, uh, pocketbooks, right? So people's everyday economic outlook does not does not speak to that 7.4 or 7% um, economic growth rate. And so so that's that's a major problem mm-hmm. that that explains this disconnect because of high inflation and I can get to that. Too. So how is this current economic crisis impacting the daily lives of mm-hmm. people in Turkey right now? Like what are you hearing from friends, family, contacts who are in Turkey? Right. So um, it's, uh, I mean, 
because of also high inflation, the the interest rate being low isn't doing much in terms of turning the economy around and, and generating growth that actually helps people live live you know better lives, and so. Um, people are suffering, right? You go on Twitter and every day you you read these devastating stories um, as a result of these high inflation rates. Um, You said the the official uh, numbers are about 20%, uh, but independent agencies calculate this and and get 60%. So that that is a wild uh, discrepancy between the official records and and what independent agencies uh, come up with. And um, and so if, you know, even within that those that range of numbers, right, um, people are 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 basically, like I said, suffering. And and you read these stories and and see these photos from grocery stores, you you know, these price tags on basic necessities like, you know, a stick of butter or one 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 example that I thought was really fascinating was. I, I saw this styrofoam plate in a grocery store wrapped with, um, with you know, stretched saran wrap, um, selling sliced cheese, like American, like craft singles. Mm-hmm. Um, those are sold now by the each in grocery stores because the full pack is too expensive. And, um, you know, there are limits to how many of a single of an item you can buy. It's not like, you know, sanitizer or toilet paper, which is what we use, what we saw last year in yeah. here in America because of the, the pandemic and everyone was basically ransacking the grocery stores. But it's basically, you know, stuff like um, a pack of like hot chocolate mix. You can only buy one. And 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 because the government also thinks that if you hoard these these goods in massive numbers, that leads to price increase, and and it's not really inflation, but it's about these hoarding hmm. behavior that that cause an increase in prices, which is unfounded. So what? So, so given like the obvious discontent that such uh, inflation causes when you know the individual purchasing power is so sharply decreased mm-hmm. and you have to buy you know cheese by the slice when you used to be able to buy right. a whole pack uh, you know what sort of political um implications is that having in in turkish politics right now right so obviously people are increasingly disgruntled by the economy and and they can see that you know their savings are eroding their their paychecks are you know, disappearing into thin air, right? And um, and I have, you know, I see people saying every day how they were making about, they are making less money today than they were making 10 years ago at the, you know, because of that uh, purchasing power, um, uh, that decline in purchasing power. And so you you watch the news, you see these younger folks on on the street, you know, they they get a microphone and they start speaking to these reporters saying, you know, we want a better future, we want better high paying jobs we want opportunities to travel to go see a movie um to go see a play you know we want to do, do do the things that young people are supposed to do right as opposed to you know thinking about how they're going to bring money home the next day and and um care for their families uh meanwhile um you know the government isn't uh the government is trying to respond to this, obviously. Um, so Erdogan recently replaced his finance minister and appointed um, 
the the deputy, uh, the former deputy of the the uh, deputy minister Nurettin Nabati, and um, and the the central bank is trying to inject money and and, and ease this, and so um, so. Erdogan is also trying to, I guess we can call that a cabinet shuffle and inject new life and faces into the political arena. Um, but of course, everyone, including I, I believe our listeners, who has an even like a remote idea of how Turkish politics operates these days, know that you know this is just window dressing, right? And, and all all the bucks stop with Erdogan. That's that's just a fact. And so, and, and I mean, Erdogan was very much you know at the forefront of this current trend that we are now in the midst of of democratic decline, backsliding, and sort of the consolidation of power around around like the the, the strongman. Um, I mean, do you foresee, I suppose elections are in what, 18 months from now? Uh, like, do you foresee this economic crisis impacting his ability to secure re-election and to further ensconce himself in power? I don't think anyone has a, a right answer to that. I don't think anyone can say with certainty what's going to happen. Um, not even the most seasoned turkey watchers, I would say. So when I just I, I checked the most recent polls. Um, there was one from early November um, that showed that AKP was polling at about 22, 23 um, percent. And the Republican People's Party, the main the main majority, um, sorry, opposition party uh, was polling at about 19 percent. Um, but importantly, in that poll, 17 percent of the respondents said that they were undecided. That is a huge margin. I mean, whoever gets that 17 percent basically is the it forms a new government. Um, and that just goes to show how dissatisfied the electorate is uh, with the with the current political landscape. 70 about about one in five people say that the, the, the landscape does not represent them or, or you know, uh, none of the parties represent them. So um, so that's that's a that's a huge, huge uh, margin to fight over. Um, so, like you said, uh, the elections for. Um, both the legislature and the presidency are scheduled for 2023. Um, that's the Republic Centennial. Um, but now, of course, you know, given the economic outlook and the current uh, crisis, um, there is now more and more calls for an early election in 22. Um, right now, from where we're standing today, that is obviously not in AKP's favor. Um, and so, uh, and, and in, in several uh, previous interviews with with press uh, and in different kind different statements and different venues, Erdogan said that they won't have an election uh, up until um, it's scheduled for 23. However, um, just today the government announced that it was increasing minimum wage to some 4,000 liras. That's about a 50% increase. Um, uh, but you know, given the the currency exchange rate, uh, that makes only about two hundred and seventy five dollars, um, and that actually is about a hundred dollars less than what the minimum wage was back in two thousand eight. So that just shows how how um, weaker, how much weaker the lira is today than it was five years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago. And so I yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I suspect this is uh, the government's short-term strategy to dampen the crisis a little bit, you know, just to show that, okay, so we are increasing the minimum wage. About 6 million people live on minimum wage. And so that's a, that's a good chunk of the electorate. And so if the government can find that narrow window to ease the economic crisis, 
you know, create some optimism and then call for early elections to ride on that wave. I think that's the only way mm-hmm. out for them. But I don't I mean, that's a very short sighted viewpoint, obviously. Uh- So I'm curious to get your sense of how this crisis is impacting Turkey's foreign policy. Mm. Uh, I think it's fair to say that over the last several years, Turkey has had, you know, a rather unrestrained foreign policy. It has been a key player in disputes in, in the Gulf region, in conflicts in North Africa, in Libya in particular. And I was so curious and interested to see that late last month, I think it was in late November, November 24th, that the head of the United Arab Emirates paid like Mm -hmm. a big deal official state visit to Turkey. Uh, And this is remarkable for the fact that for the last like decade, uh, Turkey and the UAE have been supporting like opposite sides of disputes uh, in the Gulf, in the Middle East, in North Africa with... Right, right, right. How could you... Sorry, I got like a phone call on my phone in the middle of that question and it and it shook me. No, but, I, <laughs> but anyway, no, so so what, what do you make of, of this? Right. So, I mean, when you're between a rock and a hard place, uh, you turn to former uh, adversaries, right? And and I guess that's exactly what's happening with, with Turkey, uh, you know, thawing relations with the, the Emirates. Some, some pundits say this is like a sort of a a conflict fatigue or, or whatever that is. So, you know, it's, it's, it's become far too long. This sort of adversary relationship has been going for far too long that no one can really understand why we're still doing this or, you know, we're just, you know, let's, let's look ahead. And because there is now opportunities for both the Emirates and Turkey to get something out of this um, uh, terrible economic situation that, that Turkey's in. So, um, so yeah, so it's uh, right now to go going back to um, the point about about the Emirates uh, paying a visit. So basically, uh, the leader of the United Arab Emirates, I believe, like you said, paid a visit in in November, and they made. Uh, I believe they also made a currency swap agreement uh, for about ten billion dollars. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, this currency crisis has been ongoing in some shape or form, uh, basically since 2018, right? Um, so the summer of 2018 was when, you know, it was it was getting very difficult uh, for, for Turkish lira and, um, and things started speeding up uh, at a break, breakneck pace, basically, in the last couple of months. So... Um, so in November, the Emirates came, uh, the, the leader of the Emirates came and, and they made a, a currency swap deal. Uh, and also, I believe last week, the Qatari uh, delegation came and they also made a similar swap deal with Turkey for about $15 billion. And so... Um, Not to be outdone by the Emiratis. Right. No, uh, never. Uh, so... so um, that that is very very odd indeed. Uh, Turkey um, has been uh, an uh, quote unquote ally or partner of Qatar uh, in the in the in the previous decade, and that led to a fallout with, between Turkey and the Emirates. Exactly what you said. You know they are on the dip- opposite sides of that of that sort of regional power rivalry. Um, but uh, but. The government's uh, domestic uh, woes are are so 
um, tough in the situation that you know now it's time to turn to the Emirates. It's 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 that bad for uh, for Turkish government and and its its control over the economy. So um, that just goes to show that the the you know these regional rivalries will be put aside if necessary. And and I I guess Erdogan is doing exactly that. And um, and I think they also struck a, a number of agreements, uh, trade agreements, investment agreements that includes the Turkey Wealth Fund, which I think is the is um, is extremely dangerous and risky for Turkey's economic future. What is that? Can you can you flesh that out? I'm not aware. Right. It's basically a, a sovereign wealth fund. So generally, um, these are funds that. Um, resource-rich economies utilize. So let's say, I mean, Norway has one, Saudi Arabia has one. And so they are generally used to um, invest the, basically the, 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 the oil resource money and, and, and all those, you know, rents basically in the, in the, in the global economy. What Turkey did was to, because Turkey does not have those kinds of lucrative resources uh, or, you know, those kinds of rents, basically, um, they put together uh, a portfolio that includes some of the most valuable assets of Turkey, including, you know, telecommunications companies, energy conglomerates, mining uh, corporations, uh, Turkish airlines, the the, the airline brand, um, uh, Turkey, uh, Istanbul Stock Exchange, uh, major banks, uh, uh, state banks, and so on and so forth. And so that is led by uh, uh, President Erdogan. Um, he is the um, the board, uh, the, the chairman of the board that runs that um, uh, that fund, and that's basically Turkey's uh, insurance, right? Uh, that's that's Turkey's sovereign wealth, and um, and so. I believe what they part of that deal with the UAE will include, you know, investment deals being, you know, Turkey Wealth Fund will invest in um, UAE, uh, vice versa. Um, And uh, I mean, everyone knew that this was going to happen in some shape or form when the idea of the fund was first being floated Hmm. and then it was established. This is a relatively new thing. It has about, I don't know, maybe a decade old, if probably even younger than that. And um, most people critical of the government and its its uh, um, economic policies thought that this would be mm. um, a kiss goodbye to to the the the, the country's um, major major assets. Uh, so and it's, um, I mean it's just I mean it's like fascinating to me how this economic crisis um, enabled the Emiratis to swoop in, in in such a way that this rivalry between Turkey and UAE, which has, you know, long dominated relations right. in the Middle East for the last, like almost decade, that's, that's no longer like a thing. Right. Um, and yeah, and that, it's, that seems like a really important foreign policy, regional implication of this crisis. Absolutely. I mean, uh, same thing with, with Saudi Arabia, right? Uh, so, uh, Turkey was pitting against Saudi Arabia precisely because of its uh, close relationships with Qatar. And uh, and there are also now rumors floating around about whether Turkey is also negotiating a similar swap deal with Saudi Arabia. And, and, and so we'll see what comes out of that. But um, so I don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, make a I don't want to say anything yeah. uh, without seeing the news. 
Um, but that just goes to show how how interests are, you hmm. know, they are always they always reign supreme. Uh, so I'm going to open it up, this up for comments in in a moment. Uh, but Sabel, let me maybe ask you one last question. Sure. You know, in the you you started this off by saying that the, the lira is depreciated by like a dollar a day or a lira a day to the dollar. It, it's mm-hmm. it's it's bad and getting worse in the coming sort of days or weeks or months. Is there any sort of inflection point that you'll be looking towards that will suggest to you how this crisis will unfold further? I really can't say. And, and here's why I, this is, I was in, in high school back in 2001 and, uh, and there was this, guy, you know, a a, a random shop owner who threw a a cashier's machine, basically, uh, in front of the, uh, at the time, it was the prime minister's mansion. And and that uh, caused a, like, that was the inflection point. And that made, that was a sort of a a poster picture moment of, of, of Turkey's economy and politics going through this massive transformation, leading the way or paving the way for, for AKP's election victory in 2002, and then the rest is history. I don't know if we'll see that kind of, um, you know, popular, uh, um, I don't want to say uprising, but that kind of um, like a physical uh, response to what's going on. Uh, I, I don't know if that would happen or when that would happen, but I would say that would be a major inflection point. And um, uh, I I hope that it never comes to that. I'll be very honest. Um, But, um, but, you know, I I think the, the, the rock bottom is still beneath us and and we're not there yet. Uh, Well, Sibel, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me on Mark. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Sibel Octay for this conversation. And as always, if you'd like to participate live, please just follow me on Twitter at Mark L. Goldberg to get notified of when I host one of these recordings. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.